You can get your worship guides out, and you can follow on Version if you like. Um, just the live event there and the whole bulletin's inside there. Uh, great to be with you guys today. If you don't know who I am, my name is Pastor Derek and uh, the lead pastor at Connect. It's a pleasure to, to be with you, worshiping together with you. We had a great worship experience so far, have we not? I love our worship team, just amazing talent up there. It's just great and I really love that. Yeah, let's give them a big hand. They serve so faithfully. They're up back. They're at back talking about the little mistake they made. <laughs> They're so, everybody's in their particular gift area. You know, you're a perfectionist. We don't notice, but they notice the little things. And, uh, but they did it. They do a great job. I'm so proud of them. Um, okay, well, here's a couple of things I want to roll out real quick. One, we're uh, finishing up tomorrow 21 days of prayer as a church. And I just want to, um, you know, thank you guys for participating in that and, and making the last series really, really powerful. I've heard a lot of feedback, gotten a lot of emails and texts and Facebook messages and just that, you know, that you guys are really understanding and grasping, uh, you know, prayer kind of at a whole new level. If you were, how many were here last week? Last week. Okay, if you were not here last week, I just want to encourage you to, to get the, yeah, absolutely, sweetie. Uh, I want to encourage you, uh, she was here last week. I want to encourage you to get the, the CD downstairs because uh, we talked about prayer and different aspects of it. And a lot of the prayer was all about, all about making sure our prayers get heard, um, prayers uh, get answered. But then the last week we talked about how do we know, you know, if that's God speaking to me and not a bad taco that I ate last night. Right, and so we talked about the three-legged stool. How many remember the three-legged stool? Okay, so there's a principle in there that that will help you in so many things in trying to discern God's word, God's will for your life, and not just the word like the written word, but the Rhema word. That's when God's speaking to you directly, and it's helping you discern whether it's Him or it's something else or it's a voice from somewhere else. And so I really want to encourage you to get that and kind of make that a part of who you are. It'll actually help you in a lot of different areas of your life when you're trying to make a major decision. You know, should I take this job? You know, should I put my kids in this school? You know, is this a, is this a medication I should take? Is this a, is this a surgery I should do? Is this a small group I should go to? Amen? So I want to encourage you to get that and um, as we go forward. I also want to plug next week's series, which is really, uh, we're doing next week's series because you asked for it. Uh, actually, that's the name of the series. You asked for it. And so we, uh, we did a survey. How many of you participated in our tech survey? Raise your hand good and high. All right. All you guys are going to get uh, extra donuts for that on the way out today. Thank you for that. The rest of you, I don't know what happened, but the first service we had, we've had a lot of people participate in that survey. If you're not on our, our text messaging thing, uh, we've customized the series to your questions. You ask different questions, and so I'm going to do messages based on the, uh, the top questions that you guys asked. One of those for sure uh, came out. Number one was, are we living in the last days? I'm going to need about four weeks to get ready for that message, so that'll be towards the end. Um, but, but it went from all the way from that to, you know, like how to deal with stress and, and faith and doubt, you know, and how do I overcome my doubts? And even like, you know, just what about, you know, drinking and smoking and R-rated movies and, you know, and a lot of different questions came out. It's been very, very interesting kind of going through that survey, but we're going to do a, a series you asked for it because... There you go. Let's try that again. We're going to do a series because 
All right, so it's all about you guys. Next series, great one to bring uh, friends to. I hope you guys enjoy it. But today, everybody say today. Today is small group rally launch. You know, we're kicking off small groups. Uh, You know, the whole new semester, we do small groups on a semester basis. Um, We have uh, dozens of groups open uh, starting this week. If you're interested in finding out more information about them, of course, downstairs in the common, you can kind of uh, check them out there, but you can also go to weconnect.cc. All the groups are online. You can sign up online. You can get turn-by-turn directions to people's house online through our website. So it's all... Really? Yes, really. It's on there, making it easy for you guys. So, um, but small groups is what we're going to talk a little bit about today, about kind of relationships. And if, if the message title is Circle, Circle Up. And we're going to talk about the importance of vision in relationships. But before I do, I want to just, just kind of, you know, warm up a little bit. I want to warm up the crowd. My, my daddy used to tell me, before you start talking about something serious, you've got to have to go crack the crowd. So he used to teach me how to go crack the crowd. So I'm fixing to crack you, okay? So everybody ready? I'm getting ready to come out there with... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. But, but we, all, we all have this tendency to think we can do life alone. We actually have a default sometimes towards kind of doing life alone many, in many, many cases. We kind of got like this Superman attitude. Like I'm just, you know, I can handle everything, you know. And the tr- I heard this joke, I've told it many times, but y- some of you guys know, remember Muhammad Ali, incredible boxer, right? Muhammad Ali, you know. Uh, what was it like? Fly like a butterfly, sting like a bee, you know. The, he was famous for the rope-a-dope. Anybody know the rope-a-dope? Anyway. But one time Muhammad Ali was flying on a plane and the stewardess was going around telling everybody they need to buckle up. Muhammad Ali didn't buckle up. So, so she came over to Muhammad Ali. She said, excuse me, Mr. Ali, uh, but you're going to have to buckle up too. He, he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Well, she was a pretty smart student. She said, Superman don't need no plane either. Buckle up. <laughs> so we sometimes have this tendency to think we're like Superman and we can just kind of fly without a seatbelt. We all need the safety and security of relationships. Can I have an amen out there? And so our goal and kind of our vision as a church is to help people find faith. That means come into a relationship with, with Christ. I don't want to introduce people just to, to, to the books of the Bible. I want to introduce people to the author of the Bible. So we're trying to get people in relationship with Jesus. We want to get people, you know, connected in a spiritual family. We talk about this all the time, but sometimes your spiritual family will outlast and outperform your biological family because all of us come from messed up families at some level, right? Some of you guys don't want to admit that because your parents are sitting right next to you. My mom's in the back there, but we, we, we've ha- we have some problems in our family too. You guys have problems in your family. So sometimes we need a bigger family, a family maybe that's going in the trajectory, you know, of, of God that's, that's really concerned about the agenda and plans of God. And so it's important to have family. But we also, and what we'll talk about today, is we want to help people find friends, friends that are kind of have common, not just interests, but common goals that are hopefully subordinated to the plans of God, help you really strengthen you, not just your, that make it fun on the outside, but they're strengthening you on the inside. Amen? C.S. Lewis, this is a great quote. He said, friendship is born at the moment one person says, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. See, there's just something about the, 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 the potential of vulnerability with another person that actually leads to stability in that relationship with that person. 
Now, obviously, there's great risk, but there's great reward, and there's great potential in that. And it's just some, sometimes when people are just real, and I, I don't know about you, but that's what I want to be known for at Connect, is just being real. We're, we're, we're not, we're not, we don't, we don't want to be, you know, fake and feigned and have just kind of a facade and we just kind of a pretense about us. You know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12, I think, verse 9, it says, love must be sincere. That word sincere means without wax. It means we're not trying to fill in the cracks of our pot and make it and paint over it and make it look like everything's great. No, there's some holes in our pot. There's some problems. There's some, there's, turn to your neighbor and say, there's some holes in your pot. <laughs> I didn't say, are you smoking pot? I said, there's some holes in your pot, okay? <laughs> I want to give you, this is not in your notes, this is kind of bonus material, uh, but I want to give you some of the excuses sometimes that come up, because I, I, like, I, I love actually dealing with excuses because it helps us sometimes actually receive the things we need to receive and we can just kind of unravel some of the excuses for why we don't kind of group, why we don't pursue sometimes the right relationships. And we'll get to that in a second. But some of the things that keep us from the benefits of relationships, specifically, I'm going to make it even specific to connect, to connect groups, sometimes is naivety. or naivety. I don't know how you say that. That's how I say it. Naive. Uh, we're naive. We think that we didn't know how important relationships were. Like we just kind of we're on cruise control. We're just kind of going through life. We, we don't see how significant it is to do life intentionally with certain people. Like, we don't realize that. Now, there's, I could give you, I could take the Bible out of the equation, but the Bible says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, a companion of fools suffers harm. But even if I didn't go there and say that, but I did, um, there's a lot of science that says, hey, if you're just kind of doing life by yourself, you know, the University of Pennsylvania, UCLA, they have all these studies that say you live longer, you minimize the potential for disease, emotional disorders, and all kinds of things that go on. You actually have the ability to overcome difficulties in this life if you are connected, because we were created not to be disconnected, but to be connected. I, I said this in the first service probably later than, and I'm just going to throw it in here now, but, but when... when I'll just use my profession, a, a, a pastor, a minister, or whatever. There's been a lot of, um, because of media, a lot of the uh, f human frailties, failings, falling of different leaders. How many, I was just going to say, how many F words can I use? That would have come out wrong. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what you say. That's kind of funny. Uh, because of all of those, that alliterative disease gets me in trouble, um, you get to see some of those things up front and personal, these, these guys that fall like me. And, but if you were to unpack their lives, and people do, they unravel like what went wrong, where did it go wrong? One of the, one of the major pillars of why it went wrong, it was directly proportionate to the, to the uh, significant relationships or lack of relationships in that person's life. The health and maturity of those relationships with that person. And so a lot of times people are falling apart because they're, they're, they're naive about how important relationships are. Are you tracking with me? Another reason is fear. This is, again, not in your notes. It's just bonus. You can write it down if you want. But people have, especially about groups, people have negative assumptions about what it's going to be like 
to be going to some kind of a group, like you have to be, what, do I have to be an addict to go to a group? That's what culture's kind of teaching us today. Like, you know, we're going to have to go to a group and everybody's going to say, hey, you know, my name is Derek. Hi, Derek. And everybody says, hi, Derek, together. And, and you got to tell your story. And, and no, it, it, or in a Christian setting, it's worse than that. You think you're going to go to a group. There's going to be like 10 people in, in, in a circle sitting in chairs and they're going to put you in the middle of the circle in a chair and all these crazy Christians are going to go, come out of him in the name of Jesus, you know, and like cast the devil out of you, like in week one. I just want to assure you that is not going to happen, at least until week two. Okay? <laughs> and then everybody goes to the kitchen and they all drink the same Kool-Aid. And everybody's talking the same line. You know what? That's what people think. Fear keeps us from that, okay? Another thing that keeps us, I think, from grouping and connecting is our temperament. Some people are, are extroverts. Some people are, are like the, the, if you know personality profiling, you're like the eye personality and the disc profile. You know, um, some of you are like, I call them galaxy eyes. You know, just whoo. You know, if I say, all the extroverts, raise your hand. See, Wow, you're such liars. There's so many more extroverts in this room. You're like, he's going he's gonna to shoot us down. I'm not going to be like, all the extroverts. So there's some that are extroverts. There's some that are introverts. All the introverts won't raise their hand. You know what I mean? <laughs> no matter what you say, it's like, hey, raise my hand. Uh, so, but there's this tendency in those two temperaments to kind of be a little bit extreme. And sometimes we push people away and we end up by ourselves. Because we're scaring people, you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, hi, I'll hug you. You know, like koala bear, koala tree, and we're just crazy. And then others were just like, we stand like this when people hug us. You know what I mean? Like, oh, nice to see you too. <laughs> and you're communicating. You'd rather be alone. Space, please. Buffer zone. Watch it. But in, in our temperaments, we, to grow ourselves, we have to get over ourselves. To grow ourselves, we have to get over ourselves. That temperament is not an excuse. Well, that's just the way I am. I just want to do life by myself. No, that's not your temperament. It's funny, but um, your temperament is not an excuse for sinful behavior. Okay? We need to grow. Here's another excuse. Past experiences. Past experiences. In other words, you, you step back from the circle because you got burnt. You got burnt. And here's the thing about that. I don't know what your theology is, but I believe there's, there's a good God and there's a really bad devil. And thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. When you're in these relationships, he's not omniscient, but he's pretty smart. He's intelligent. So he's always, he's always trying to um, create scenarios where the most destruction can be done at the most opportune time possible. So when you're in a relationship, he would like nothing more for that to be so devastating, not just for that one occasion, but that occasion be so devastating that it'll affect your future. He's not just trying to make it bad then, he's trying to make it bad for the future. The reason I'm telling you that is not to discourage you, I'm trying to tell you that because if you, can, you can't fight an enemy you can't see, and if you can't see what he's up to, you can't stop. His plan. His plan is way further along. So he wants to, for example, in marriages, if he can destroy your first marriage, he knows he can destroy marriages for generations. Is everybody yeah. tracking with me out there? Okay. So he does, he does his damage 
beyond just that past experience. He knows that if he can do enough damage to right there, he knows that he can keep you from the relationships that can literally alter the course and trajectory of your life. That's why he does it. So past experiences sometimes keep us from create missed opportunities for us as we're going forward. Here's another one. This is equal, it's different, it's more practical, but here's another excuse, busyness. Everybody say busyness. Busy, 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 busy people. I can't find, I can't, I can't find the time, Pastor. I can't fit another thing in my life. That's, what we, that's kind of our mindset. Even motto is trying to fit more in instead of sometimes we're trying to, we're trying to squish the important stuff into the non-important stuff. But there's a container that can only hold so much. We don't even think about what am I going to get rid of or we don't even think about the prioritization of what we're going to fit in the container of our life and maybe putting the most important things in first right? So we get so, so busy. If you don't have time to group, if you don't have time to use the God-given talent, even find out what it is first, then we're too busy. Life is, life has a, it's out of order. And yet we want God to bless things, but God is a God of order. God only, God blesses and puts his favor on order. God, I just want you to note that it's very quiet in here and I'm okay with your approval alone. Okay. All right. So we shouldn't do life alone. Amen. But today I want to be, to be a little bit more, you know, uh, clear and just take it up another notch. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more than that to be successful. We can't just say, yeah, you're right. I, don't, I, I can't do life alone. Yeah, those are bad excuses. I want to give you a little bit more pointed direction. And um, what I want to start with is just Proverbs chapter 29. Look at your notes. Now you can track with me. It says, where there's no vision, Kazone is the, is the Hebrew word there, not calzone, so don't anybody get hungry, okay? Kazone, it basically means where there is no kazone, it means like dream or revelation for your life. Without that, you cast off restraint and you'll end up saying yes to the wrong things. That's what really is happening in this text. Where there's no vision, kazone, revelation for your life. In one translation, it says people cast off restraint. Or in this translation, it says you perish. You'll end up, you'll end up inviting, almost like by default, accidentally, the wrong things into your life because you haven't been intentional about the right things in your life. Does that make sense? Without vision for relationships, we can, we can kind of... We kind of accept whatever comes our way, and we instead must be very intentional in our relationships because, and I've always said this, but like bad relationships happen by accident. Good relationships happen on purpose. You just walk into the wrong relationships. You know why? Because we're acceptance magnets. If somebody just starts talking nice to us a little bit, we'll start moving in that direction. That's a really nice shirt you have, Pastor Derek. What'd you say? You know what I mean? You're pretty handsome. What'd you say? I like your glasses. What'd you say? And before you know it, you'll fall off a cliff into a wrong situation because of that gravitational pull, that default just towards acceptance. We have to have more than acceptance in our relationships to make sure we're okay. Because sometimes the wrong messages are coming from the people who are giving us that acceptance. We have to be very intentional about our relationships as we go. Here's a key phrase. Write this down. It's in your notes. Every relationship ends up somewhere. Few relationships end up somewhere on purpose. Relationships, in essence, they can steer you away from or towards the purpose and plan of God for your life. But at the same time, nothing has more risk than relationships. Is that not true? Some of the biggest regrets, biggest and most painful experiences in your entire life have been around or amidst a relationship. Nothing hurts more. Sticks and stones can break my bones, but it's the words 
that have really hurt us. You can sometimes call, recall, and I wouldn't call it divine, more like demonic, but we can recall some of the negative things that people have spoken over us. People. It wasn't a place or a thing. It was a person. But so, they're, so they're risky, and yet it's true, but at the same time, many of us can miss the building blocks, some of the greatest opportunities, some of the, some of the, some of the relationships that you have right now, maybe even in their neophyte stage, just the, the foyer of, of friendship. Uh, if you could just walk through that little door, it could open literally up to, uh, we have this old adage, you know, open, small doors open you to great rooms. It's just, there's, some, there's some doors that you could walk through right now, literally could change your life. But there's risk. Because of the past, because of naivety, because of busyness, because of fear, sometimes we won't walk through that foyer and that friendship into something that God has for our life. But God works through relationships. He's created us to do so. Last week, um, I think he's in this service. I won't call him out, but, he, but he's a friend. I love him. He's got a great heart. And he was at C101. He was taking in our spiritual family class. And, 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 and God's, he's been here for months and uh, just taking it all in. And every Sunday, he's just sucking it in. And you can just, you can just see the change in his countenance, his family. And, and he's, he's, he's uh, young married. He's got a kid and just had a newborn. And uh, going, through, going through it, uh, kind of have a tough time at the, at the moment. And he goes to the class, and he just feels this fear come over him about walking into that, that next new relationship, a spiritual family. Just He didn't, couldn't describe it, couldn't explain it, couldn't put a word to it. Just as Pastor D, I'm just afraid. I don't know what it is. I'm just afraid. So we talked for a while and uh, just talked about what some of that, what, what some of that could be. And I, I discerned something and shared it with them in a kind of a generic sort of way. And, and I said, I'm just going to pray for you. I prayed for him. Then he, re, then he opened up. Then he kind of came out from behind the fig leaf a little bit. He says, you know what? I, I'm going through it right now. What do you mean? He goes, I, you know, I, I, I don't have a job. And I got, a, I got a baby just born, and I'm trying to carry the weight, carry the load, and I'm scared. I said, let's pray about that right now. I said, you know, something about you crossing that line can open doors for you don't even realize. Yeah, yeah, and he's kind of struggling with that. Listen to this. Pray for him. Uh, next day, something, some conversations happened with some people in the church. By Tuesday, by Tuesday, he uh, had already made kind of a mental decision in his brain that he's going to cross that line. By Tuesday, a guy in the church called him up, and he got a job, full-time job. And next Sunday, he, the next Sunday, he was here, and he waited in the line. All kinds of people were talking to me outside, and he waited, 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 waited. He just came over to me, man, just gave me a big old bear hug, and he's just like beaming. And you can see his whole countenance, just freedom. He's just like, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. I just want you to know, PD, I'm all in. Serving today, right now. He's somewhere in this room, and it's awesome. You're getting blessed by him right now. Isn't that cool? So, you know, listen, don't answer this out loud, but kind of a swing here. But how many of you have a friend who really knows you? In other words, when I say really know you, like, I don't, I don't think many people get to this particular point where somebody, they like know, they know you like, they can tell in your face you're, you're having a rough day. They, they like know from your countenance you're going through something. They, they know the, the secrets to your heart. They know the defining moments in your life that changed your life. They, they know your, your kind of gifts and, and your abilities. They know your hurts, your weaknesses. They know some of the positive and negative experiences that you've had in your life. And, and, and they know you. Most people can't answer, yes, I have a friend like that. 
And sometimes it's because of our vision for relationships. Sometimes it's because of other things which I'll unpack in just a few minutes. But God wants you to have, rela- see, when you have relationships like that where people know you and they, and you, the real you, behind the veil, behind the, behind the, you know, the veneer of it all, that's where life change happens. Our whole vision of our church is directed towards this process of getting you to that place. We have, our, our logo, for example, has these circles to it. The first circle, we call it public space. It's this right here. You're in public space. Our next one, we call it social. The common downstairs like, is an example of that. People are connecting, making some relationships. The, kind of the, the, it's kind of taking it to that, to that acquaintance phase. And then we move people into small groups. And that's where people are getting edified and we're getting built up. But there's a small circle that comes out of that where these friendships are established, where people know the real you. When you go into a connect group, please understand, that's the starting point, not the end point, of what God really wants for you and for me. Does that make sense? He wants that for every one of us. But there's a price sometimes, and there's sometimes a perspective and a vision that we need to have. How many of us, you know, if you can raise your hand to this, but how many of you have a relationship that could be better? Anybody? Okay. How many of you know someone who is difficult to have a relationship with? Raise your hand. Okay. If you did not raise your hand, you might want to write this down. You are that person. I think that we treat people, uh, you know, and that, that the way we treat people and how we have relationship with people is, is a direct refl- reflection of a relationship with God. The, the, the health and maturity of the relationship with God that you have is directly proportionate to the health and maturity of the relationships with the people that God has put in your life. I hate that point in some respects because it's a... It's like a litmus test. It's a checks and balance. So if this isn't working good, and I've told you this many times between me and Stacy, the Bible tells me my prayers are hindered. Is that a perfect example of, or illustration from Scripture of what I'm talking about? Yes, it is. So I can't say, me and God are good, and me and Stacy are not good. God's saying the same thing between you and God and you in relationships. You are not healthy and mature. Let me make it really clear. If you are not in healthy and mature relationships with the people that God has put in your life. God wants that for you. God wants that for you. Uh, Ted Haggard said this, if you know who he is, this is very interesting. This is in your notes. Everything that God has done in our lives is unproven until it's tested in the midst of relationships. Now, Ted Haggard was a guy who had brilliant insights into scripture and into life and into relationships, but he didn't practice it himself. He was, he, was, he was what I was talking about. You can sometimes espouse certain things, but maybe not be living those things. You, 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 you could, his life, when it was unraveled, when it was unraveling and then later unpacked in therapy, it's because he didn't have anybody that he was accountable to. He didn't have anybody that he could lean on. He didn't have anybody that was kind of sticking their finger in his business once in a while. And that's, so that principle only works if we work the principle. Who are you working that principle out with? Where is it being worked out? John 13, 34 says, Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove, everybody say prove. Prove to the world that you are my disciples. What is going to change that world is how we show it in our relationships with each other. 
They'll know that we're Christians by our love. They'll know that we're Christians because it's proved by us actually being followers who are actually practicing the precepts that Jesus is talking about. So how do we do that? Here are some leading questions on how to have relationships on purpose, okay? Number one, ask, what relationships in my life need to be initiated? What relationships in my life need to be initiated? Initiated. Now, in our culture, we have kind of a, a solo, you know, Han Solo kind of world. We hear people, we say these things. I've said these things. Uh, just recently, I was ministering to a guy who was doing construction here in our renovation. And, and, and DJ and I spent an hour and a half with him just witnessing to him. It was awesome. But while we were talking, he said, he says, man, my goal is to be independently wealthy. I want to be filthy rich. I want to be independently wealthy. He kept stressing that independence. And then, and, you know, and then later on in the conversation, he said something like, you know, if you want something done right, we were talking about some problems with the problem. If you want something done right, sometimes you just have to do it your, yourself. You got to look out for number one. All of those statements came up in our conversation. That's our culture. That's what our culture is saying. But God is saying something very different. God's culture, which should be the church, manifested in the churches, he wants us to be connected, involved, interacting, interdependent, not independent. I got it. I got it all by myself. Not codependent. Right? I can't make it without you. You complete me. 50-50, we're one. No, 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 no. If that's what you got in your relationship, run, run for the hills if he says or she says that, okay? God wants us to be interdependent where this is expressed through this. They are connected. Make sense? And when God shows a person the vision for their life, the kazone for their life, the, the, the life plan, the revelation for their life, it's interesting throughout Scripture, it's never meant to be accomplished alone. When, when God gave Nehemiah a vision for a people he had never seen, to a place he'd never been, a burden for them, he, he showed him how to, he had initiate relationship, but he rallied people around him. He's a great, great, great leader. Moses, the same thing. Jesus Jesus initiated relationship with the disciples. He didn't sit back and just, you know, do nothing. No, he went to them and called them unto him. In Luke chapter 6, verse 13, it's in your notes, when, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. I've come to realize that we need others, and I hope you do too, to accomplish what God's called us to accomplish. Sometimes when I'm, as the pastor of this church, I sit back literally, and I'm not, I don't know how to express it, but in awe sometimes of what happens here without Stacy and I's involvement. Blows my mind. Blows my mind. But it's so powerful to see the church at work People functioning and operating in their gifts and people doing the things that they do with kingdom, kingdom idea. You know what kingdom means? It's like, it's like king, two words, king and dominion. It's like, a, it's, it's like getting the, it's bringing the principles of the kingdom and bringing dominion to that environment, to that area that we're in. So we're about the kingdom is like actually saying, saying we want the king of kings to have dominion in our life, dominion in our realm, dominion in our sphere of influence. I love seeing people who are surrendered to that whole thing. And I've come to realize that we need people. I realize that with the pastoring this church, I can remember, you know, many, many times I'll be in a class and I'll, and I'll tell C101 people in particular say, hey, look at me. If you're expecting me to be your individual pastor, let me, let, me, let me make a promise. I promise I will fail you. I cannot pastor all these people. You need to get into a connect group because that is where you'll be, that's where you're going to be pastored best. That's where you'll be shepherded best. 
That's why churches a lot of times don't grow is because there's just one guy trying to minister to all the needs of the people. God never meant it to be that way. Nothing biblically suggests it's supposed to be that way. You're, you're cared for and pastored best in the context of relationships, in the safety of something small. You need to circle up with other people on a regular basis, and that is where it's happened. In fact, I would like to highlight, uh, we did this in the first service, there were so many, but I want you to see, if, if you've ever been a small group leader, you're a co-leader, you're presently a small group leader, Right now, you just got trained to be a small group leader. Could you, could you stand if you're a small group leader? Just stand up so everybody can just see some of the small group leaders that are in the room. Now, in this semester, currently, there are 43 small group leaders leading. These people and others that were in the first service are pastoring this church. They're, they're kind of the, the containers who take in all the harvest, people who kind of come to Christ, people who need to know more, move forward in that journey that I was talking about from circle to circle. These are the people that are making that possible. And I just want to say how much I appreciate you, how much I thank you for being the pastors in this church and leading people. God bless every single one of you. You are awesome. I hold you in high regard. Thank you so much. This semester is 43. We had 11 new small group leaders just added to uh, this semester. We had over 30 student ministers and young adults that were just trained that haven't even launched yet. Some of those groups are opening up in just a couple of weeks. And so really proud of the student ministries, a a new hub at uh, Connect. A lot of people that are in those as well. One of the things that I've learned, though, is that it takes initiative to, to, to actually be able to be a good leader. And these, these, these small group leaders are taking that initiative. The best things that ever happened in my life required initiative. My relationship with my wife is, is an example of that. I had, to, I had to pursue Stacy. I know it's hard to believe when you look at me that I'd have to pursue her. <laughs> what? What is so funny? I don't really get it. Uh, but I did. I had to pursue her. And in fact, she, she was actually looking out for her roommate, trying to hook me up with her roommate. And she called me up, and she's telling me about her roommate. Hey, my roommate so-and-so wants to go out with you. Would you be interested in going out with her? I said, well, you know what? Let's talk about it. I said, uh, why don't you give me your number? I'll write that down. I'll call you later, and we'll talk about that. She said, okay. So then I called her later on. I said, hey, when are we going to get together and talk about me going out with your roommate? Why don't we go out and talk about me going out with your roommate? <laughs> I'll meet you at 7 Friday night, take you out to dinner, and we'll go to a movie, and we'll talk about it all night long. How's that sound? She said, sure, sure. How many know that initiative has worked out for me pretty good? I'm reaping the benefits of that initiative every single day of my life. What I'm trying to tell you is sometimes you have to initiate relationships in order to see some of the benefits from them. Does that make sense to anybody out there? So what are some relationships you could initiate? I don't know if this is in your notes. It should be. But small group is a relationship you should initiate. Small groups, these are places where you find people of common interest, maybe direction in life, where you want to go, where you need to go, strong leadership, a caring environment where, you can, where you're protected. It's safe. You don't have to worry about everybody saying stuff all over the place. Like, can I just tell you, this is, this, uh, my small group leader, know this, but this is a discreet environment. You should be able to just be real, and you don't have to worry about it going anyplace else. And that's very uncommon in the church today, because everybody wants to, it's just like everybody's sharing prayer requests. You know, and they go around, it's just gossip is all it is. You know, people go around, we should pray for him. Why? What's happening? Well, he's got a problem with, we should just pray for him. Are you praying for him? Who, what? what? Oh, and everybody just, it's just a gossip line. We don't do that in this church. Amen. That's not okay, all right? So it should be a place of protection, a place where we connect, a place where we can grow. We need to be in relationships. Why should we be in a small group? One of the advantages is progress. Progress. 
I need to move forward in my faith. A lot of times people will not move forward in their faith. They're stagnant. They're in the same. If, listen, if you looked at your life and you took an honest inventory of your life spiritually, where it is today and where it was 10 years ago, has it moved forward? If it's moved forward, the people that it's moved forward is because they are grouping. The people that are people that are not, they're in the same place. It's because probably they haven't. They there's three key, key areas. They after the salvation, they didn't get water baptized. They're not a tither, and they're not grouping. That's I'm just telling you that. I'm just putting it out there for all those people who wonder why I'm not growing. Some here need to lead a group. Open up your home. Maybe it's time for you to just make your kitchen table a place of ministry. So your kitchen table, yes. Just be, maybe start by just being a host. My wife and I will be leading a, a group as leaders in somebody else's home next semester because they're, they're new to the faith and they're just babies, but they're very influential and they're, they're very just on fire. They're just on fire, but they just want a little bit of training. So we're just going to train them in the midst of group. And so they're just going to open up their home. We're going to invite all their friends in and we're just going to reach all their friends. Does that sound like fun? But so what do they have to do? They had to open up their home, give up their kitchen table, give up a, a particular night of the week. Will their lives be changed? Yes. Will other lives be changed? Absolutely. Maybe you need another relationship you should initiate is a mentor, a mentor. I think everybody should have a mentor, maybe multiple mentors. You could have a passive mentor. So that could be like somebody you read and follow and all that kind of stuff. Or you could have more direct or intentional mentor, somebody who's like has connectivity with you on some, with some regularity. That requires you to pursue. Don't pursue me. I can't mentor everybody in this church. What I'm saying is you need, there are people in this room, people in the environment, people maybe in your small group. Where, the, where, where, you, where you open yourself up to them. You're vulnerable to them. You, you, you give permission for them to kind of stick their finger in your eye and help you see what you can't see because we, we all have things in our eyes that need to come out. We all have a blind spot, a part of our life that we cannot see. And I know I'm ruffling some feathers there, but does, is there anybody that can speak in your life? Some of the biggest mistakes and biggest regrets in people's lives because they didn't have somebody that helped them see something before they did it. That's a better amen. Can I have a better amen out there? We need a better one. So mentors are huge, and the advantage of a mentor is perspective. So you, you, you get in a small group because of progress. You get a mentor because of perspective. And then another thing I think we need is we need to be, initiate a relationship with someone who doesn't know Christ. Somebody who's disconnected. Somebody who's a, I call them a pre-believer, because I'm, I'm of the persuasion they want it. They just don't know it. Everybody has a hole in their heart that only Jesus can fill. And you might as well stop being um, timid or even ashamed or even fragile about your faith. Trust me, the only thing that can answer what's going on in their life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not going to be some self-help program or something that, you know, uh, you know Oprah or uh, Dr. Oz are going to give them. It's going to be Jesus. It's not the government. Can I have an amen? Is anybody getting pumped with, besides me? I'm telling you, you have that relationship with Christ, that's something that needs to be given away. And so when you get in relationship, and this is what Christians sometimes, sometimes miss, we get so comfortable with Christianity, we don't know how to relate to fish anymore. We don't know how to become a fisher of men anymore. We don't know how to catch people. We just want to clean them. And so we spend all our time critiquing people and their sins and assessing people and sizing people up. And God wants us to be connected to the disconnected because it keeps our heart tender and softened. It actually helps us keep one foot on earth while we're touching heaven. Because if we're always about just Christians and always about just being around just us, us four and no more, we're praying in the corner, we're right, we're right, we're wrong. We get weird. We just kind of like... 
blow up and blow away. We're like that balloon, you know, where just somebody untie the knot. We just get weird. We get so heavenly minded, we're no earthly good. And being connected to people who are disconnected from God keeps us real, keeps us our heart tender. And some of us might need to make time for that. 1 Corinthians 9.22 says, I've become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Proverbs 11.30 says, he who wins souls is wise. So how do we do that? Use your gifts. How do I know my gift? Go to Discovery, Discovery 301 tonight. Figure out what your gift is. Because that's where you serve is through your gift. It can be something you think is insignificant, but the Bible says that those things that are sometimes unseen are indispensable within the body of Christ. You might look at me and say, well, I I can't do what he does. Good. You don't need to do necessarily what I do if that's not your gift. If it is, you should be doing that. But whatever your gift is, trust me, it's just as important as what I'm doing right now according to Scripture. There's things that can be happening behind the scenes, happening in the front lines. Both of those are inextricably linked to the success and the transformation of a person's life. We all have to use our gift for God. Amen? Number two, what relationships need to be nurtured? Nurtured. And it's funny, when you see this with newlywed couples, you know, you know when you see a newlywed couple and they're just so happy? You know what I mean? They just got that glow, the soul glow. You know, what... what you know why? Because love is so blind. <laughs> Isn't it? It's just you're thinking to yourself, they just don't know. They just don't know. And, and you hear them talking, and they're like, he's just so perfect, and he can just finish my sentences, and we sing all the same songs, you know what I mean? And she likes football. She stays with me the whole time and just sits there and just seems like she's totally into the game, and she goes and gets my Doritos and Coke for me and Will, and he knows my deepest thoughts. And they just go on, and you're like, ah. <laughs> and, and, and year one in the marriage, you know, when one of them, one of them gets sick, you know, he, you know, he calls up in the middle of the day during work. <gasps> I mean, that's crazy all by itself. And then she has the phone, and what's the matter, honey? I'm just not feeling well. Would you like me to come home? I mean, I can leave. I mean, I mean, you know, we don't make any money, but I could come home right now because <laughs> I, love is more important than money, honey. And just this job is, I just want you to know, it's just not nearly as important as you are. I'll be right home. Then he goes home and, you know, and he serves her and he gets chicken soup for her and come lay on my lap and he's rubbing her head and rubbing her hair and can I get you anything else? And you want me to call the doctor for you? Are you going to be okay? And Year two. (laughs) She's coughing during a football game, hacking and coughing and hacking and coughing and he turns to her and says, hey, honey, could, could, you, could you gargle something? Because that's pretty disgusting, you know, that noise. You're really bothering me. And then she says, honey, can you get me something to eat? You're going to have to wait till halftime. I'm not getting something to eat right now. Did you see what's happening right here on this game? What are you, crazy? And by the way, is that, would you wipe your nose? That's disgusting. Go get a tissue. Like, what happens <laughs> from here to here is we stopped What? nurturing the relationship. We stopped nurturing the relationship. We stopped putting into it. And we can see this in, in, in marriage so clearly. And we look back and we stop, we stop gardening, you know? The gardening principle, we've talked about that here at Connect before. But, uh, you know, thankfully, after 20, you know, almost three years, Stacy's finally gotten that right and she started doing that better now. <laughs> Just kidding, honey. Galatians 5, verse 13 says this. Look at this. It says, serve. Everybody say, serve. Serve. 
each other with love. The whole law is made complete in one command. Love your neighbor, that's those closest to you, as you love yourself. If you go on hurting each other and tearing each other apart, be careful or you'll be completely destroyed by each other. So you have to figure out kind of, you know, how to serve each other. What it, I learned in small group, I learned in the connect group how to actually connect better with my wife. We actually did the, the five love languages multiple times because <laughs> the first time I just heard what my love languages were, and then I just started serving her with my love languages. That didn't work out too well for those of you who've ever done that small group, you know? So mine was acts of service and touch, and so I just did all these acts of service, thinking she's going to love me when I mow the lawn. Wah, 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 nice straight line. Wah, 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 450 times of that. And then she comes home, and I go, ta-da! And she goes, what? You know what I mean? She didn't see anything. She's like, is there a cricket? You know, did you step on a bug? Is there poop on the ground? What is that? She didn't see I'm like, no, the lines, because I was loving her with my love language, and I had to go, so I learned really what her love, like quality time, not look at the TV, be in the same room with her, with my ear pointed at her, no, that's not quality time, TV off, looking at her, possibly even on the same couch, side by side, touching, listening, touching, Listening. Did I mention listening? So you have to sometimes say no to the things that don't nurture the relationship. We've done that as a church. Our church is not a program church. In other words, when we see a need, we don't go, oh, we should start a program for that. Oh, we see a need, we should start a program for that. We just do worship experiences and small groups. The landscape and countenance of those groups change by the passions and interests and the needs of the people. And so every single semester, you'll see certain things kind of change around a little bit. Sometimes there's certain things that are always there. But the reason we do that is because we want to help people nurture the most important relationships but not being caught up in running a million programs and having something happening every single day of the week. So some people are like, like to go to church every single day, like to go to this program every single day. Why? Because we want you to invest in marriage, your family, your relationship with your kids, your friendships. We want the, the small groups that we have to be a starting point for that to even happen because life happens, growth happens in the context of small groups and relationships and something small. Does that make sense? What are the components, though, of a friendship? What's that look like? I think they should be filled with enjoyment. So sometimes you got to, who do you do life with? People you enjoy. Do you, have, do you have common interests with those people? You know, I like to hang around people that like sports. I like to hang around people that can play sports, not just watch sports. So that's something that I enjoy. Sometimes you got to find people that like what you like. Is, do they accept you? I think you have to have an accepting environment. It can't stop there because acceptance, sometimes enjoyment, are not enough to help you grow. So now do you have a place where there's mutual concern, where if something was happened to you, somebody be willing to risk the relationship to make sure to save you and keep you from making a mistake. Does that resonate with anybody out there? You want those kind of relationships. You want people that stimulate, stimulating conversation, help you grow, pray for you, hold you accountable. Who has you in mind like that? Who do you have in mind like that in your life? Number three, what relationships need to be restored? Restored. Some people are like porcupine people, you know? Do you know some people like that? Don't look, don't look around when, when, when you nod your head. Porcupine people. Some relationships need to be restored if, if, if you're, you know, when I, when I think about people that are trying to figure out what's going on in a relationship, I heard about this one guy who was trying to monitor the mood of his wife, and so he bought her one of those mood rings. 
So if it was green, she was happy. If it was blue, she was sad. And if it was red, it, let him, it left a mark right here, right on his forehead, right there, the mood ring. Get it? Anyway, you'll get that later. But uh, Colossians chapter 3 says you must make allowances for each other's faults because people are going to make mistakes. And forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. There's some strong words in there because it says you must make allowances for people. But sometimes we're sticking up our nose at people. Sometimes we're kind of judging people, criticizing people. One time I was, uh, this was years ago, but I, I was in this really kind of sick state spiritually. And I found myself very disconnected. In particular, from I was really super involved in church, but very disconnected from people not in church, which I don't think is healthy. And, um, and I found myself kind of putting up my nose at other people's behaviors and different things they did and just, you know, whatever. So-and-so's th doing this and saying that and talking like this. I've always noticed this about, about um, non-Christians. When they, when they find out that I'm a pastor, they'll do one of two things. Whenever they swear, they'll apologize profusely. Like, I've never heard a swear in my life or something. Like, I've lived in a convent my whole life or something. Or they amp it up and swear like crazy. And, and, and anyway, but I was, I was in this state where, 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 where I was just kind of, kind of critiquing that and criticizing that. And God spoke to me. He said, you know, the, the difference between you and, and them is me. It's the only difference. It's the only difference. The difference between you and them is me. And it's so important that we understand and have a proper perspective on things in our relationship. Here's a tough pill to swallow, but you can't get from God what you are not willing to give to other people. You must forgive, you must make allowances, you must show forbearance, you must stop holding on to stuff, keeping files on people. That's kind of a thing that, that I've heard different people say where like, you know, they, they kind of keep a file on someone. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, that we should not keep a record of wrongs. And so we need to initiate change to see things be restored. One time I was, I was in a bad place with my dad relationally and the Holy Spirit was telling me some things I need to apologize for. And I kept making plans to do it. I wrote it on a piece of paper, and I was carrying that piece of paper around in my pocket. And one day I was going to do it, and the next day I'm going to do it today, and the next day I'm going to do it today. And I just kept blowing it off. And so finally, I'm like, I'm going to do it. So I called him up and say, Dad, can you come over? When he, co when he comes over, he pulls up in my, my yard. He gets out of his car, and I see him. He's got a piece of paper in his hand, and I see him tuck it in his pocket like this. And then I'm sitting on the front doorsteps with a piece of paper in my hand, I said, Dad, I need to apologize for these things. And I started going off this list of things I need to apologize for. Thankfully, I did that because afterwards he said, Son, every single thing that you talked to me about, I was going to talk to you about. Wasn't it good that I initiated that? Yes. The dynamic between you know, what could have happened and what did happen was night and day. Who, who do you need to initiate restoration with in a relationship that might be in your life? Who in here needs to initiate some restoration, maybe through a phone call, a letter, a personal visit. I was at my best friend's wedding one time for his rehearsal, and I was the best man, and my other friend Michael was the best man, two best men. And I remember listening to Paul talk about Michael. And he said, Michael, one of the things that meant the most to me is when my dad died, you were there for me. And when I, when I heard that, I was like, ah. It just cut like a knife, because I wasn't there when Paul's dad died. I remember when he called my house, the day his dad died, I was in the shower, came out, I was soaking wet, and, and, I, and I, what I was thinking was about me. I was thinking, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't even afford what I'm doing right now. We were in debt. 
we weren't making enough money. We had one child. It was, things were tough. And it shouldn't have mattered. I should have put that relationship ahead of some of my circumstances. And you might differ, disagree with that, but I think there's sometimes major events where money doesn't matter as much. And, and, and I, anyway, when I heard that, I just, I just cut like a knife. And I, I decided, you know, within that week, I said, I'm going to call him and I'm going to apologize. And I did. And I apologized. And it changed our relationship. It restored that part of our relationship because I was willing to do that. In Romans 12, 17, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. If it is possible, as far as depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means in whatever situation relationally you're dealing with, you might have a responsibility to play in that. It says, if it's possible, which means sometimes it's not. That's why there's that little two-letter word saying, because of human will and free will agency, People can choose to reject it, but you do your part. As far as depends on you, what can you do to restore the relationship? And lastly, number four, what relationship needs to be severed? I almost thought about not putting this in the message because it has huge misinterpretations and implications. When I say what relationship needs to be severed, this is not an excuse to get out of a bad marriage. Okay? irreconcilable differences and that sort of thing is not an excuse to get out. That's not what I'm talking about. But 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be fooled. Bad friends will ruin good habits. This is what I'm talking about. It's who you run with. Who are you running with? That's affecting you. You might need to run away from them or you, may not, you might need to run them out of your life because your associations, uh, the, the, the balance of those associations could be what's doing you in right now. And this is why people from Sunday to Sunday come and basically they have to present a guilt offering every week to God. I see this when people are participating in communion or people are coming to church. It's because they're struggling with what they did Saturday night and Friday night and they're trying to get it all worked out on Sunday morning. A lot of that isn't because you're just, you, have, you don't have an intelligence because you're dumb. It's just because you're running with fools. A companion of fools, Proverbs 15, says suffers harm. So it doesn't mean you're a fool, but you're in the shrap metal of fools. Does that make sense? Yes or no? Everybody still tracking out there? Everybody sit up nice and straight, puff your chest out, look how, make, look, look, look nice and strong. Okay. All right, I need to know you're all with me. We're winding up here. This is, this is important stuff, okay? So who you hang out with is critical. Here's a principle. I wish everybody knew this in our church. Most of our leadership knows that, knows this principle, but your relationships will determine the quality and direction of your life. Your relationships will determine the quality and trajectory, distance you go, how well you go, etc. 1 Corinthians 5 says, I'm writing to tell you that you must not associate with those who call on themselves, who call themselves believers in Christ, but who do these different sinful behaviors. It, it even says, do not even eat with people like that. It says, it says, if you're out of balance in your relationship, it's not saying don't be with people who don't believe like you. Don't be with people who don't sin. It's saying don't be out of balance in your relationship with people like that. If you are being influenced by them, then it's saying, don't even go to Taco Bell with them. That's what it's saying. Does it make sense? You need to withdraw until you can be a stronger influence on that. Okay? So some of you come out of certain sin patterns, certain backgrounds where you stumbled and fell. You might not go run with that posse or that pack or go to those places for a long, long time, maybe ever. But there can be another environment where people who don't believe like you. I think we're supposed to lean into relationships that people that, with people that don't believe like us. But we can't lean into relationships with people who sinned in areas that we still haven't overcome in or are not strong enough to actually be an influence on. Does that make sense? So that's what this is saying. You have to have, when you look at this one scripture, you have to look at it in the context and counsel of all the scriptures. So some of you are in different places relationally. Some of you need to initiate things. 
And I've given you several areas to initiate relationships. Some of you need to nurture relationships and strengthen those. You might be in a small group, but maybe it needs to be nurtured, taken to the next level. Some of you might need to restore some relationships that have broken down and take initiative in that. And some of you might need to sever certain relationships that are unhealthy. But whatever the case is, if, if it's, it, it's difficult for you to do until you have actually initiated the most important relationship of all. And I want to pray for you. Would you guys stand to your feet as I pray for you? I want to encourage you when you leave today to go downstairs and hang out a little bit, even just for fellowship. Maybe you're already in a group. Maybe you're not going to do a group this semester because of certain reasons. I know sometimes there's things that come up. We don't want you to feel uh, manipulated, obligated. We definitely want you to feel invited and encouraged and challenged. But just hang out. Just hang out for a little bit today. Let's just do, let's just do a little life together. Meet somebody maybe you haven't met, with, met before. Talk to somebody you haven't talked to. Kind of get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Initiate some relationship with somebody. What, if, what would happen if you just met one person today that you've never met before? That might be a, a change or a door to something great for you. But I'd like to pray for you. If you just close your eyes and just bow your head, I want to speak to your heart. Think about this. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message today? How is he speaking to you? Say, Pastor, I'm already in a group. I'm already connected. I'm already using my gift. Well, maybe how do you take it to the next level? How do you progress from where you are now? Maybe you need to invite a mentor into your life. Maybe you need to be figuring out what your gift is and using that. And maybe you're not, maybe you're not serving through your gift. What, what is that? Maybe you need to find that out. Maybe you're not in a group. Maybe there's just certain obstacles that have gotten in the way. And God's talking to you. Hey, hey, you're too busy, son. Daughter, you're too busy. Your life's too busy. Are you willing to let me come in and help you reorder and reprioritize your life? Your life's too busy. You need to get things in order. Maybe you step back because of a past relationship and things went bad and you're just like, I, I just, I just, I'm scared and I don't want to go through that again. Yep, and that's exactly what the enemy wants. He wants to keep you kind of in the shadows and not moving forward because maybe some of the best things are right around the corner. Is the Holy Spirit talking to you about that? But we're all, when you think about it, we're all one decision away from stupid, but we're one prayer away from Maybe the best and most important decision we can make if you've never made that before, and that's to invite Jesus Christ into your life. Because in order for a small group to have the effect, the fellowship, and the growth and the progress, Jesus needs to be the center of that. It's not just relationship. It's relationship plus discipleship. And in order to be discipled, we have to be following somebody, and that somebody is Jesus. And so before you really embark on that journey, it's important that you make a certain decision to put someone sent this at the center of your life. Is Jesus the center of your life? Are you willing today, if you've never done this before, to invite Jesus Christ? You might be here for just such a time as this. It's not an accident. I don't believe that. I believe that you're here for a purpose and for a plan and that God's been kind of just orchestrating all this and you're just kind of following in the, in the path that he's, that he's predetermined for you. Maybe you're here today to ask Jesus in your heart. If that's you today, I'm not going to call you down front or embarrass you, but I am going to call you out before heaven and earth and give you the opportunity to raise your hand and say, that's me. So on the count of three, one, two, three, that's me. I want to know Jesus Christ. Good and high. I see your hand in the back. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Is there anybody else that I'm missing? God bless All the way at the back. Thank you, you two gentlemen. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, yes, I see that. I see that. Thank you. Thank you. Would, would all of you, church, pray with me? And those that raise your hand, would you say this prayer? Say, Jesus, I'm asking you today of my own free will to save me. Come into my heart today. 
I invite you into my life. There's things about it that are a mess that I know only you can fix. You can clean up. I want to be in relationship with you. And I know now that I need to be in relationship with God's people. So I invite you into that part of my life too. Lead me and guide me. Give me wise decisions in my relationships. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, I pray you seal it. I thank you that your word says their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that Christ was saved, Christ, excuse me, rose and was, it, it, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. They're saved. Profession of their faith, they're saved. And I thank you for that confession, Lord. I pray that you just witness that to their spirit. As they walk out today, they know Jesus, not because of works or anything they've done, because of grace. They're a Christ follower. Thank you, thank you, God, for that decision. We love you and give you praise. So now, Lord, plant them in your church and family and help them find good friends. Help us all to grow in our relationships, Lord, as we move forward, to initiate, to nurture, to restore, and sever those things that need to be changed, Lord. Lead us in the vision that you have for our relationships. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap all over. God bless you. God bless you.